0: You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout.
1: You're listening to episode 293 of PHP Ugly, where three wannabe good developers, good people get together and realize why we keep falling short. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, and with me this afternoon is John Congdon. Who's falling short?
2: I'm just and curious on that one.
3: Tom, right up.
2: I mean, John's the shortest one here.
3: <laughs> okay, you he got me there. Good call. Welcome back, welcome back, gentlemen.
2: It's good to be back.
3: And exactly why did we miss last week? I must ask.
2: Uh, Mental holiday. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so
3: Eric and I we, we co-worked together yesterday. And I'm like, what the hell happened? We went from Tom saying, "Do you want to record early?" to me saying, "No, I'm at, out to dinner with my wife. I may be a little late." And I meant minutes. To all of a sudden, all right, let's cancel. I'm like, what? I didn't see the I didn't see the discussion in Slack. There I saw wasn't. Eric make I saw Eric making the announcement in discord and i'm like wait wait, 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 what happened (laughs) we were we were recording two minutes ago
2: yeah i i had been drinking and so
3: was i I was trying to do
2: contemplating the dinner contemplating recent political changes and had made the decision that i could not avoid just absolutely going off and losing my mind on the podcast if given a platform.
3: But you made that difference in like five minutes. You're like, do you want to start early to maybe we should cancel?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I had been thinking about it for some time. Like if I was going to be capable of, of being uh, in any way related to programming or tech culture or anything like that whatsoever, and it, it it just occurred to me at the last minute, like no, all I'm thinking about is the nightmare political situation we're in. So I I really can't.
1: Oh, well, you're here uh, tonight, so I assume you're you're back on the uh, coding bandwagon.
2: I mean, yeah, we'll say that hasn't yeah, right. this week hasn't been great either for politics in America. <laughs> but
3: well, I don't think any week is good for politics in America.
2: Well, I was hoping for like. A slower pace of horrifying news than i got eric
3: you're not sounding so well Are you okay i think i'm fine okay you're just sounding sounding a little raspy and oh yeah i i think i i think i've been fighting allergies the
1: last couple of days i've i've been having a sinus kind of congestion so yeah i that's, have uh
3: that's what i was asking you yesterday when we were co-working at starbucks and you were kind of like seeming a little sniffly and i was like you okay and i don't think you really picked up on what i was laying down there
2: yeah no nah, I, I i'm fine yeah i love that globally we've gone from like hey are you feeling all right to like hey is this gonna kill my kids Well, it's not that bad anymore
3: we're we're at that point in this whole thing where everyone's at some point gonna get covid i've got um
2: i'm still good still haven't gotten it oh is, uh, that, is sa- that what you're here.
3: you're in Implying to me,
1: you're wondering if I have COVID. No, no, not yesterday. No, I was just asking if you're okay. because you were sniffly. Had
3: I had COVID, we wouldn't have been kissing the way we were kissing. COVID. I, I, this what <laughs> I figured. But, no, time. but but you never know. No, it it was just asking if you're okay because you were sniffly, not COVID related. But we're at, we are. I've got all, a lot of our friends that have kids, and we've all been so careful the past couple years. Now everyone seems to be getting it at different stages through various means. You know, we're back to school. Things are opening up more, uh, going to the fair. You know, San Diego just had the the big county fair the past month and a half or whatever it was.
2: <laughs> yeah. People
3: catching it there.
2: Things happen. They called it the, uh, the CDC sample size theme this year.
3: Yeah, and I was part of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw a tweet the other day that was like, hey, do you notice like, you haven't gotten the flu in the last couple of years? Like, yeah, yeah, haven't gotten the flu. It's been great.
3: Mm-hmm. And I don't want it.
2: Yeah, That's keep washing I, your I, goddamn hands.
3: And I still wear my mask in the stores, and I'm in the minority, but I will continue doing that. Anyway, Eric, how was your coding week? Let's get off of politics and COVID. It's going. You, you know, we've been
1: doing a pair programming. Uh, actually, I actually have a uh, question for you guys. I ran into an issue today with my code base. Do either one of you guys or anybody in our Discord at phpugly.discord.com
2: Nope. Almost. Almost got it.
1: Discord.phpugly.com Got
2: Got it that time.
1: (laughs) I'll fix that and post. No, I won't. Um, (laughs) There's no post. If if anybody (laughs) might know the answer to this, but I discovered uh, a I'm not going to call it a bug, a flaw in my code today. And it is a flaw in a package that I'm using uh, specifically around uh, event sauce. Um, Not that the fact that it's event sauce matters. It's just, it's the package that I'm using. Who can explain to me the difference between MySQL 5.7 and MySQL 8.0? on how it handles date time, because for whatever reason, I learned that my event sauce package uh, by SQL eight does not like the date format that it's being passed. Huh? The, the date format or the helper that you're using. So, so that's part of the problem, right? This is all very abstracted away from me. I'm not using any helper. I'm simply creating this event. No, no. I mean the, My is, MySQL helper like date format. So again, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Okay. So there's, there's a it's column, th- the there's library. a column in the table that the the, 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 the library creates a migration for you, which establishes a table for your events to be stored. So don't, it, don't worry about the fact that it's an event source at all. That has nothing to do about, with it. This particular column is called recorded at, and it's a, it's a date time formatted column in the Laravel migration. That works fine with MySQL 5.7.
3: Chokes on MySQL 8.0. Hmm. Or 8.0. So, so it's a Laravel migration that says it's supposed to be a date time that is choking. Not yep. when you're not when you're inserting the data, but when you go to create the table?
1: No, 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 it creates the table fine. It's when you go to insert the data.
3: So when you look at the data schema or the, the DB schema, is it a date time field?
1: I have to imagine it is. I could confirm that, but it's a date time in the migration. I, I'm pretty sure that
3: creates a date time field. And when you go to insert the data, are you inserting an actual date time, or is it? Are you defaulting to null or zero 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 0 zero 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 zero,
2: or now?
1: No, no. It, it, it's an actual date time string that that's being tossed back out with like time zone information in it as well. That is so a good what, question. I don't is, have a good answer for you. What is the error you're getting? Well, guess what? We'll be doing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what is the error you're I getting? Mean, I, uh, the actual error I'm getting is invalid date time format, incorrect date time value.
3: So if you were, I don't know that it would take in the the time zone offset, right? That I don't know.
1: Well, it does with, uh, I mean, the time zone offset is in the error message. I I can switch it back to 5.7 and make sure it actually inserts that. I'm making the assumption that it does. Uh, but yeah, I again. If I just flip it back to five point seven, it works
3: without a problem. Well, it looks like we'll have fun tomorrow.
2: Alrighty, that's what I like to hear. Well, my my Google foo says there is a strict, strict trans tables value in your MySQL ini that could be causing this.
1: Okay, so you want to add that link to the show notes. I will be sure to check that out because this is kind of important.
2: Date times. I don't know. (laughs) Kind of sick of them. (laughs) They're
1: never right. But I have to be honest with you, John. And, uh, you know, I I understand The the hypocrisy of my view here, but, I'm really questioning the decision to go event source only because hear me out on this. I don't, yeah, cause I have, want to tell you how you're wrong. I, I don't have an issue with the philosophy of event sourc- sourcing as a whole. I'm definitely enjoying the understanding, the implementation and I'm liking the breaking down of the, the, the workflow, I guess, like the having the commands and the aggregators and all that. I, I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. Here's where it breaks down for me. We're, we have, a, this is a client project. The client conceptually wants event sourcing because we have been banging this drum for a while and been kind of talking about the benefits of it. But the end of the day, they want their application is what they want. They want to do it in a compressed time because they're paying for an allotted amount of, amount of time. So I guess my point being is we're not working for a company that's paying us a salary for the foreseeable future. We have a client that says, hey, I want to be able to do X, Y, Z within this amount of time, this is where I think the, the event sourcing piece might be breaking down a little bit because I was thinking about today and I'm like, man, I could be like wrapping this up by now. Had I gone the more traditional, you know, crud approach, even, even if I included in additional packages to do things like auditing and stuff like that. So, Again, not dismissing the benefits of domain-driven design or event sourcing or any of that. I'm just saying that when we come down to the end of this chunk of time that the client has allotted to us, if we don't have a completed app, they're not going to care. They're not, they're not going to care that they're getting a better, more well-thought-out and probably more stable and stronger application because of the time you and I are investing in this development, they're just gonna know that they don't have a product to start selling yet.
3: So so part of it is the learning curve that you're going through right now. Because Yeah, while absolutely. I while I I understand what you're saying, I've got a lot more experience with it, so I could have knocked out most of where you're at. And, but at this point, right. It, it's trying to get to that point, trying I mean, to, that's
2: cold, but sure.
3: No, it, but it's, 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 it's the experience part. I have, experience. It, if you wanted me to do something in Laravel, it's going to take me a hell of a lot longer than it's going to take you because you've got the experience in it. So it's not meant to be an ass about it. It's just factual. Um, So that's part of it. I think we could be doing a little more prior programming, a lot more in the planning stages. Like I started to do that mirror board, we kind of abandoned that. But as far as making sure we had step by step every event that could happen, uh, getting maybe an some sort of spec in place for the communication between the front end and the event source backend. So an open API spec would be great instead of the cowboy quoting that is happening right now. You're you've taken this on and you have an understanding of what the application should do, but we still have so many questions to ask the client. Like, what about this? What about that? So sitting down for like a two to four hour block, just planning it out. Getting as many of the questions as we can out there or including the client in that session so we can ask the questions while we're doing it would probably avoid a lot of this.
1: Listen, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to turn this into a project management
3: podcast. It's not going to happen. Not at all. Okay. I'm, I'm I, trying
2: 100% to. 100% on board with this.
3: <laughs> I'm talking about planning and getting things done, like having a goal because right now you're just throwing. You're throwing code in there. You're, you're making, like, you know, parts of it. And then we get to a stumbling block. Well, what about this? And then we stop and we ask questions, get those but, answered, and then you keep going.
1: Well, and before you jump in too, too quick here, Tom, the other aspect of it. So, so to expand on that learning curve is that the rest of the team, right? Like once we get this implemented, getting the rest of the team who are going to need to support this application moving forward. Caught up is going to be a challenge, but also unique for this particular situation. And without getting into too much detail, because it's going to bore, 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 make everybody bored. It's
2: never stopped us before.
1: This is true. (laughs) (laughs) But with this particular application, John, if you if you think about it, something like what we're talking about with event sourcing, we could have very Easily iterated into because of the nature
3: of the application. Iterating is not hard. (laughs) Iterating, I'm dealing with that all the
1: the time. I'm I'm meaning from the sense, and again, I don't want to get into a lot of detail, but I'm meaning from the sense of hey, here's an MVP, and then letting them run with that, and saying okay, here's what we want to accomplish for the next. Phase, In implementing it, if you think about the nature of the application, implementing event sourcing on another phase would not have broken the system as much or or not broken the system, but would not have been as challenging as implementing an event system. In this like ledger philosophy
3: of a system that needs to keep moving forward. If we had broken it down prior to you just jumping into code, I think it would have been a lot better. Backfilling or going backwards to where you have table structure and you are trying to build event sourcing into it is extremely difficult. I've spent. I'm not, I'm
1: not. I'm not talking about
3: backfilling though. I'm. I'm talking about we would have continued to move forward. And again, but, but then they have an application in production that they're using, and now there's data that you have to worry about. So you are talking no, about backfilling at some point.
1: Think about the. No, I'm not. Think about the nature of the app. I don't want to get into it. But
3: <laughs> I don't want to event, get into it. But think about it.
1: It's it's event based application. So like once the event's over, we can continue to move forward with the new system. Is what I'm trying to explain to you. We wouldn't have worried about the old data. We would have said, Hey, starting on this date, anything that's added to the system will be event sourced.
3: If you want to pivot and go that route, go
1: for it. We can talk about it tomorrow. Well, (laughs) actually we should probably talk to the client about it, but I don't know. I feel like we're close. I just, I'm getting frustrated. I want to be further along than I am. And I'm very
2: frustrated well i mean this gets into a question that i saw on reddit which was the the title of the question here was web dev has got notoriously complex and i don't see the return on investment and the the big first comments are you're fundamentally wrong like web applications are capable of doing a lot more and that provides complexity but these tools that we have now <clears throat> i don't like the constant rotation of certain tools and certain frameworks but web development now is easier than it's ever been it's just we're able to do so much more and <clears throat> the point of event sourcing is that that return on investment later in the game where you've if you have someone who understands event sourcing you can you can roll out some impressive new Changes to the system that roll back all the way to your first customer. And <clears throat> yeah, you know, depending on the project, maybe event sourcing is overkill. And uh, I haven't had a system where I thought, like, I I haven't not had a system where I thought event sourcing would have been great from the start. Everything I've done so far, I keep thinking, "Guy, I wish we had event sourcing right from the beginning. But telling that to somebody three years down the line is a hard way to sell event sourcing from day, you know, from Greenfield. And so like, yeah, there's going to be those frustrations. And yes, there's the learning curve. But the technical debt that it eliminates and the the flexibility that it gives you when the system is successful, has a million users, can't be discounted either. It's going to slow down initial development of your system for sure.
1: Right, and that's the sell for the client who's paying us, right? Is is trying to convince them that this is for their, for their overall
2: good. But do you still believe you're saying that like event sourcing may be the wrong way to go for this application? But do you do you really believe that to be true?
1: No, I I, I never said that. I didn't I didn't say event sourcing itself was the wrong way. I said that this might be the wrong time to try to implement it because. It's a client who's paying us. If this was our application that we were building to to make money, I would 100% continue down this path.
2: <laughs> sure, I, but I think, as as a contractor, like shouldn't you be providing the best service you can, even if that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make as much money in the future? Like, it's, this, it's, is it's, this but the but best it's, option?
1: It's like this time. It's like this Tom. You're a contractor, and I come to you, and I say, I want a house built in two months. And I want it to be a four story home. And you come to me and you say, Well, I can build you a house, but it won't be a four story home. It's only going to be one story. But you know <laughs> everybody will be able to live in it and stay dry and stay safe and you know stay out of the elements. And I and you know, me as the, the person hiring say, Oh, well, okay, I, I'm going to rent out the rooms. I would really rather have the four stories, but if you know, if it's a trade-off between getting it built and You know, two months for $200,000 or eight months for a million dollars. You know, yeah, I think I can make more money off the four story home, but I'd really rather just get the one story home and start making more, you know, a little less money today. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the same. It's the same concept in my head.
2: Again, I I think it's a terrible metaphor. I'll give you that. But you, you came to the client saying, we want to build this the right way from the start. Not fast and dirty, but measured, extensible with as little technical debt as possible, and that is going to take more time and They signed on to that agreement with you great right?
3: point they've dic- they've dictated time frame, and I think that's part of it we We kind of simplified it in our mind of what they wanted, and there's a lot of well, what about this? What about that? So there's a lot of questioning going on right now to make sure that we are understanding everything that sure. they ultimately want.
2: And I, I could easily write a book called Clients Are Fucking Liars. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's already been written in in one industry or another, probably mechanical and electrical engineering. But either way, I mean, if you if – you, this is a terrible metaphor, but follow me. If you take open a Makita tool, like a a drill, a cordless drill on the breadboard, there are still jumper wires because they produced a breadboard and said, it's, it's giving us a bad result on one value and we need it fixed right now instead of the right way. So there's still jumper wires that are being added to the breadboard in the factory. So, that's As a contractor, that's where you're at, where you have to build it the right way. But when, the, when they say, we need it now, not right, you have to throw in the crud elements. You have to throw in the jumpers and just make sure you capture the data as much as you can for the event sourcing elements later down the line. And, and, and I think, like John said, this, this is a knowledge gap situation where if, if you're doing event sourcing, you know how to capture everything. If you if you're an, a, an event sourcing expert, you can build an event sourcing system that acts just like a CRUD system, but it captures everything so that later down the line you can say reprocess this thing. Or I'm yep. talking out of, out of my ass. I mean, I don't I don't no, do event sourcing.
3: No, you're you're right, and there is there is a a gap there in understanding, and it's it's a learning curve. And Eric's coming along great. He's gotten. So much further than he was a couple months ago. I would let him speak for himself, but he stopped talking. <laughs> I just know you guys were talking. <laughs> so let's let's talk tomorrow. Let's let's figure out next steps what we're gonna do.
2: You talked about pair programming and it sounds like that's what you're gonna do tomorrow. What are you using for pair programming? Uh so I've
3: actually been doing it the past this week with a new developer uh and really just using zoom I, we I've used code with me in the past but in my mind pair programming while zoom is I mean code with me or whatever vs code has is great the idea behind pair programming as far as I know is one person drives there's somebody that is typing and everybody else if they're if you're doing mob or just, the two of you just talking and one person is just paying attention to what you're doing versus trying to have multiple people typing at once.
1: Yeah. But the way we were using code with me, which again, you you know me, I, you know, I will always pivot to my terminal and them stuff up, but I've been enjoying using PHP storm and code with me. And I just set either set, I typically set mine to follow, or I assume you're following me. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what how we've been doing it. I
3: yeah. So when you and I work together, that's great. Uh, And I'm sure, in general, it's good to use something like Code with Me. But I guess it depends on who's driving and where that knowledge is at. If it's in a a Laravel app, and I am coding and I'm doing something wrong. I'm going to want you to say no, do this and get in there and type something for me versus try to tell me what to type that may take longer in the event sourcing where I'm helping with with yours I can get in there and say okay, no, here's what I mean and and show you what I'm doing. But I I don't know if that works in general but maybe I'm wrong. I I, I, I don't do a, I don't do a ton of it.
2: I have pair programmed with Eric. And and I can tell you, it is one of the most frustrating things I've ever done in my life. That's because of his relative line numbers. So a relative line numbers, which drives me insane. B scrolling past the thing I want him to look at, and saying no, 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 scroll up, and then scrolling past it again, and then scrolling past this it isn't the third. An, that's time.
3: not an Eric thing. That's anybody. You that's come yes. With.
2: That is that is. That is co-programming with anybody. I think that the the rally car method works very well. So if you're doing what something what like co- rally car, so code with me is you can type or they can type. Anyone can control the the way that it's being presented to both people. Let one person navigate and let one on. person wait. Wait, type.
3: I got. I gotta. I gotta um, mute Sevy for a minute
2: time
1: out let, that's it let no seriously don't, don't you listen to this. let
2: one person type let one person navigate so when we're trying to follow the path of something being executed and identify the bug let the navigator scroll and uh, control click into a method or find the the uses of a method and go to the one that's that's causing the issues but when you get to the bug say I see it right here on line, let's say for Eric's sake, two. (laughs) Because it's always line one, two, or three. Up or down, you don't know which. Don't know which. (laughs) Say, I see the error here. Do you see the error? And if they say, well, I don't see the error here, then you say, well, on line one, you're doing this, but then on line three, you're expecting this. So on line two, what are you producing that's incorrect?
3: I, I do that all the time with, with newer, new with hires. Zoom. Or-
2: Zoom, is, Zoom is incredibly frustrating just for the scrolling that, no, no, you're on the wrong class, switch to the other class. No, you're on, that's the model with the same name as yeah. the class, switch to the class. And then I, I hate that jumping behavior. I think that the code with me stuff is really, really, really helpful. There's a problem. What's the problem? Well, PHP Storm, it is the one that has the Code With Me functionality built into it, right?
3: Yep.
2: Well,
1: they they both have it built in now, but yeah. The price is going up.
2: It's not because of
3: Code With Me. PHP Storm's prices across
2: the board are going up. Wow. That John. that price problem really put John into a stutter. <laughs> that
1: really <laughs> that really froze froze John up there. What? He he was oh. not happy with the with the price jump there. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry you've been silent John, but I didn't realize there was a price with the uh, shared coding. No, no, um, the price
2: of PHP Storm is going up. Oh, price of PHP Storm is going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're if you're buying it for individual use, it was eighty nine dollars a year. Now it's ninety nine dollars a year. But if you're buying it as an organization, it's going from one ninety nine a year to two hundred and forty nine dollars a year. It's like a pretty significant price bump. Now I will give I will give JetBrains credit here. They did send out a newsletter to everyone that just said, "Hey, prices are going up. Shit's more expensive. Sorry, but if you re up your
1: yeah, all, all those all that raw labor or all that raw material they put into a PHP well, Storm, okay, uh, you know.
2: gas is more expensive and shipping these licenses ain't cheap. Uh, all right, but got then know what they said, are you said Are you back with us? Right, if if Am you, I back with you? If you get in before October first,
1: yeah. Yeah, you're kind of back with us.
2: If you get in before October 1st, you can re-up your license at the cheaper level and get the full value out of it.
3: Well, for two years from the date you sign. Yeah. So not full two years. I don't write contracts. I don't
2: know how this shit
3: works. It it depends. I've never
2: paid for PHP Storm. Listen, I, I completely
3: yeah. understand
1: the position they're in because plushy elephants are going to be going up to seventy five dollars each uh yeah. very soon.
2: <laughs> yeah, and where's mine? They have they had I was hoping for a tenth anniversary play, present did, for my wife did you? Did not did get you, it.
3: Did you place an order? phparch.com, baby, you go there, you place your order, you get I one. I don't know. That's how it works. Slash so swag.
2: I don't know what that is <laughs> at all. Yeah, <laughs> John, are you uploading torrents? You're you're running no. terribly right now. No,
3: my wife is. She must be. I will have to ask.
1: You, uh your uh, Trello card, Tom, was that was that the price hike one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Good.
3: The care.
2: the price for individual developers is like ten bucks a year. It's not that much the price for corporations fuck them i don't care about corporations it's not a big deal but i give them credit for sending out an email saying hey the prices are going up here's how you lock in the lower price for a while
1: yeah and i've i've always been on record of saying if you make a living developing php the investment is pretty insignificant uh to invest in something like php storm. And I say that as a as a Vim first kind of developer. I, I definitely see benefits for using something like PHP Storm when coding PHP.
2: I still use VS Code, so it doesn't affect me in the slightest. But you know it does as affect in, me. But
3: you were but you were a PHP Storm user for a very long time. And I was
2: I I was well, that's because I went from Eclipse to PHP Storm. And, I knew no better.
3: And PHP Storm made it very clear they haven't raised prices in many, many years. When I saw that they were raising prices, because their their email didn't specify how much it was going up, I was like, "Oh crap, what are they doing?" I go and I look, and it's ten dollars. Doubling a year. the
2: prices? No.
3: Right. Right. So it's like okay, like it sucks that a company can just raise the price, but at the same time. They're not the only ones that do it. They haven't done it in years. I gave them a pass. I just made Eric pay the bill. Oh, gee, that was so nice of you.
2: <laughs> well, and to be fair, it is less than the rate of inflation for uh, the U.S. dollar. So,
1: And what while we're talking about JetBrains uh, a little bit, I do want to throw out there, they reached out to us at PHP Architect to ask us to remind developers that their annual uh, survey is going on See, and uh, to ask them to go and take the survey that will be in the show notes. Uh, just hit discord. If you're watching live, it's a very long survey. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, and fully I have a very short attention it. span. <laughs> I, I know, fully
2: I abandoned the survey. Love, love <laughs> but, what they're trying to do. But after 30 minutes, I gave up. They are they are giving
1: away stuff. I forget what all oh, they're giving away, but they are giving away stuff. And if you enjoy filling out forms, boy, boy is this the survey boy, for you? Boy, we have you. a form.
2: It's one question <laughs> per page, and it's a hundred pages.
1: It it's long. I like like really. They they need a like save point. It needs to be like a video game where you get like a save point and you can walk away and come back because
3: it's just, just way too long. I'm surprised it's not that way.
2: Uh, You know, they've got all the the pros working on internals.
3: Who do we have to thank for this episode of PHP Ugly, by the way? I always forget. Uh, Actually, I don't forget.
2: (laughs) Honey Badger?
0: When you're in production, a thousand things can go wrong. You could deploy a bug in your latest release. Your background jobs can silently fail. Someone could trip over the network cable at your data center. And this all comes back to you. You need to know when bad things happen and be able to respond to them quickly. That's why we built HoneyBadger. It's easy to install HoneyBadger in your back-end applications and front-end JavaScript. It only takes a few minutes of configuration and you'll have monitoring done. That's because we hook into popular web frameworks, job systems, and the browser. So that when any of them crash, we can automatically let you know. We ping your application from our global fleet of servers to let you know about problems with connectivity, latency, and SSL certificates. And we monitor your recurring jobs to see if any of them stop recurring. When there's a problem, we alert your team using the tools you already use. We can create issues in GitHub, Jira, and other issue trackers, and send notifications via Slack, PagerDuty, or other channels. When you click through, you'll be taken to detailed information on the error. You'll see things like request parameters, headers, User information and the backtrace. Click on any line of the backtrace to view it in GitHub, Bitbucket, or your local editor. When you fix a problem, just mark it resolved and follow up with the affected user. That's Honey Badger, where the monitoring tool for web developers who'd rather be, well, developing.
3: Thank, thank, you, honey
1: thank you, you, Honey Badger. Wow, I think we did that in sync.
2: We'll find out later.
1: So good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> or not. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, Should we move on? John, I wanted to, I wanted to put you on the spot. Sweet. I like being put on the spot. Awesome. I'm glad. And, and Tom, feel free to jump in on this because – Well, how is that I, putting me on the spot if you're going to let him jump in? Well, because I don't know. Every now uh, and then Tom surprises me the with spot his works. knowledge. <laughs> Well, I'm putting you on the spot, John, because you had mentioned this in passing, and I didn't prepare you that I, I wanted to talk about it. And I don't know how much you actually know about it. And again, Tom, if you know A something about build this. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really way more buildup than, than it's worth. It's, it's what we get call an, an error biscuit. Get the biscuit or get biscuit. What is
3: this? I have no clue what the hell you're talking about.
2: Get biscuit.
3: What are you talking no? about?
2: Did, weren't you
1: the one telling me about this? Oh shit! Did I did I miss something? What are you
3: talking about? Get what? What, what was the get community telling me about? Get bisect. <laughs> bisect. That's it. Biscuit. Bisect.
1: Whatever. How do you? How is that different? How do you know you're saying it correctly? I call it get biscuit.
2: I mean years like, years of public biscuits. education <laughs> biscuits all right the spotlight is no longer it. on john you <laughs> it have,
3: should be on erica <laughs> you have
2: managed to absolutely put the spotlight on yourself
3: okay are we going to move forward with it or I, I it's one of those commands i want to learn i want to know more about i don't know enough about what is
1: it? I, so, so I did a very recursive look at it after you mentioned it, and <clears> I I was intrigued, but I'm not sure if I'm understanding it correctly.
3: So, do you want, can you explain it at all? I can't. Other than I know it's often used to find somewhere between two points in known time to figure out when a bug was introduced.
2: Okay, I, so. That's,
3: how it's used you, i don't know
2: yeah let me let me jump in on this because i actually do understand this quite a bit thank you this is, what i tell you what i tell you john this is a tool that is actually used quite a bit by honey badger so honey badger will let you know when you have introduced an error in your system and which commit that might have occurred in or probably occurred in uh, and that's using a technique similar to git bisect, where you say, hey, here's the bad version, here's the good version, what are the differences between the two?
3: How is that different than just a git diff between two hashes? That's the part I don't get.
2: Uh, so you, you're you basically yeah, saying...
3: That, I I assume Honey Badger w- was doing it
1: based on your deployment, so when an error... very was, very,
2: po- sh- very possibly... It, it is absolutely how, how it is. So you're talking but, out your ass so a, a get a get diff
1: oh, wait, we're gonna blow over that you're gonna give me shit for like 15 minutes but we're just gonna blow over the fact that our primary sponsor you pulled out your ass how they're using this go ahead I'm sorry a
2: get diff will show you every difference including merge differences uh, merges are considered generally safe, uh, depending on how they were done. There's a, uh, oh boy, now I'm getting into my my old knowledge. There's uh, a forward merge, cherry pick merge, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, three way merge, yeah, fast forward three way and cherry picked. Uh, And and each of those, if you do a diff between branches, will (laughs) show every difference between them. But there are a lot of differences that can be considered safe because they were a part of a fast-forward or a three-way merge. The Git bisect... Can you tell? I'm talking out of my ass. So, I'm literally reading the Git bisect, like thing here and this is what it's saying
3: I, so i think awoods puts it well in discord dot ph- discord.phpugly.com if you want to join us you know your last good c- deployment you know your bad deployment you're trying to figure out where the commit is again i haven't done this but i think you cut it in half you find a middle m- point you try that you find out if it's still happening if it is still happening you know it's between your good and there, if it's not happening, it's between there and the bad, and then you go in the middle again. So you're constantly trying to narrow down where the issue happens.
2: Right. So it's it's similar to cherry pick, where it's you're not performing just an, a single action. You're saying, step through every commit between good and bad, and mark it as good or as bad as you step through it. If it's bad, then you get to say, reset this specific commit and see if that fixes your problem.
0: I like that.
3: Is it's get asking you, am I getting hot or cold? So you, you say you're like, a biscuit, you're start, I'm just saying you're starting nope, your bisect. You're saying you're exactly currently like bad. Biscuit. You, you, you say the good one. I know I was good at this point bisect, then checks out a new point. You test, see if it's still good. You say, okay, it's good or it's bad until you get to the point where you know which commit caused it. I like that hot or cold reference. That's awesome. Awoods, I'm just
1: going to say, you seem to know a lot about the biscuit and should consider (laughs) writing an article about it somewhere in a publication that would pay you to do so.
2: Is there such a publication?
3: Well we, yes. We would love to have an article like that. At in PHP Architect. <coughs>
2: Thank you. PHP Jesus com. Like pulling teeth.
3: phparch.com slash write if you would like to write for us or email us write at phparch.com and we will pay you for your for said article.
2: Eric, I'm gonna get it Come. I'm gonna get in some sensitive territory here if you wanna Step away. I don't blame you. You want to talk about project management? I'm um, going to talk about PHP 8.2. <laughs> okay. Still, as of recording, not feature frozen. So there are still PRs coming into PHP 8.2, which is not managed by Eric Van Johnson. Uh some interesting stuff that I was really, really hoping would be in this pipeline has made it. Such as? So some of these sound like not huge differences, but I've actually implemented them recently in some of my code. So, uh, null and false now function as standalone types in 8.2. So, uh, you can say this method will return null or false or an object, stuff like that, just like union types.
3: So, so instead of null or Boolean, it's just null or false. Right. Interesting. What's the use case there?
2: So the use case there, the use case I have is should throw error, not an exception should throw error. So if an object should throw an error, then it gives you either the error class or exception class or whatever,
3: or false. Versus being a, an actual boolean can do this, right? I, I, I guess I see that. I mean,
2: uh, it's. I, I have, not, a, I have not a lot the best of code. That, Don't get me wrong.
3: No, no, but I have a lot of. I do have a lot of code that is supposed to return something, but in an in an error, it returns false or null. Well, in most cases, it's one or the other. It's not,
2: right. it's not usually
3: null or false. It's false or an object, false or a string.
2: Well, a lot of DBMSs will return result or null. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you can type hint that, and you can have your IDE understand that. You can have the uh, linter for <clears throat> PHP understand that. This helps you understand the options you'll be receiving from a method. But what does that Or into a method.
3: Insta- so if I were to type in null or Boolean, and I never return true, it's basically the same thing, right? So what is making yeah, false? Yeah, null or,
2: null or Boolean would not make sense. But null or object would make sense.
3: But you were just saying null or false or object. I, I,
2: well, the, no, I'm saying that the this implementation allows you to use null and false as standalone types.
3: Right. So, so
2: previously you couldn't say, I expect this function to return an object and false. You would have to say an object and null or no, and boolean And but yeah, it's, you'd have to catch an exception there. Um, no, that, that was, now that was just one RFC. There's another, there's a companion RFC, which adds the type, True, which I have methods that throw an exception or true. So if I have my my method should return true. If it doesn't, that's a fatal exception because I should be exception handling everything else in that method. Okay. So those are those are two uh, important changes in. So,
3: but your, type your 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 type hint should only be true at that point.
2: Yes, your type hint at that point should only be true.
3: Right. But as a developer, what benefit is it to say true versus boolean?
2: So these if changes, I never
3: return false,
2: these changes reflect mostly for me in the IDE that I'm using. Where I'm expecting true as a result, and if I treat it as something other than a not true, as if if, if I treat it something other than boolean, it'll give me a hint or whatever. Uh, but this
3: that makes sense.
2: This also, this also assists the just in time compiler. So when we talk about the performance of the JIT engine in PHP, knowing exactly what could be returned creates performance increases in the JIT compiler for PHP.
3: The the IDE specific piece, if I were to say, if if I type in on true and I say, if not result, it's going to say the stupid thing can't return false. So what are you doing?
2: Right. You're probably making, you're probably making, it's, it's a code smell thing for a P, for an IDE. You're probably right. treating this thing wrong. Um, that hasn't been implemented in IDEs yet as far as I know, but it will be implemented as a type smell.
3: If true isn't a first-class thing right now, of course it's not implemented yet. Right,
2: but once it becomes first-class, if you treat it as anything other than a true, then it'll say, this will most likely be true. You're probably doing something wrong here. That's the IDE side. The JIT side is also very important. Knowing that you're going to return true every time for this method or throw an exception means that the JIT compiler can actually account for that and create pointers for it that will increase performance it's a small gain but it's a gain and PHP 8 has been well since PHP 7 we've been about small gains type hinting things correctly strict typing that stuff has been small gains but it's gains and It makes things easier to read. This method, when you read the method name, should be true or throw an exception. It also helps with static analysis. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, Yeah. and that's becoming increasingly important in the PHP world. Uh, There's another one, uh, disjunctive normal form types. This is a Uh, stupid name. This is a computer science name for something that I don't, quite understand, but
3: well, I want to hear you explain it. If you don't understand it,
2: it means that you can, you can, you can start using operators to compare objects or variables to each other. So you can say, if this object is object a, or the the pipe commit the pipe symbol, pipe, a pipe, B, pipe, C, and D
3: what? If, if only you could share your screen and tell us what you're looking at.
2: I, did if, you only share I, the, if I only I, did if you, only I understood what I'm looking at. Did you share the link with Discord? Yeah. So this is from the PHP Foundation. Did I not already share this? Yeah, PHP Core. So the PHP Core Roundup, number three from the PHP Foundation. So those are those are the big ones that are accepted into 8.2. Who's the manager for 8.2? I can't remember that one. Definitely not an Eric. I can tell you that much. It's not an Eric? I, uh, okay, I can't remember exactly. There's still a lot of stuff that is under discussion. However... There is a feature freeze in place in, I believe, five days for PHP 8.2. So anything that is under discussion is probably not going to make it to the next version. And we had an agreement that we're not going to talk about things that are under discussion, but not going to make it. So that's your that's your PHP news. That's
1: pretty thorough news. There. I'm impressed.
2: Yeah, I did it like 20 minutes ago. That's that's why I can't explain the disjunctive infectious disease program thing.
3: <laughs> it says accepted, but it's currently in voting. I don't understand that.
2: Well, you can be in voting and still <clears throat> have have reached the threshold.
3: I will read this some more because I'm curious about it. I like more that it's DNF and... I hear that and all I see is do not finish. So now I'm very confused. Disjunctive normal form or did not finish. Hopefully this will finish if it's been accepted. Come on. That was funny. Laugh. Bastards.
2: So I saw a video.
3: Am I frozen again? (laughs) (laughs) I saw. See,
2: got you to laugh. Both of you. I saw an absolutely terrifying video the other day. I don't know if Eric, I don't know if you saw this. Was it me launching yesterday? It was a hundred percent you launching yesterday. I've, I have, (laughs) I know that you posted it on Facebook, but it was, I still didn't know if you lived.
3: I'm not, I'm still not sure if I did. It wasn't that, I mean, okay, it wasn't great. (laughs)
2: You hit okay. You hit the ground pretty good the first jump.
3: It wasn't that bad. I touched the ground. I didn't hit the ground. I touched and kept going. What are you okay, talking this about? Is,
2: this is a segue for you to talk about your paragliding adventure. But
3: you said I hit the ground. I'm c- curious what you're talking about.
2: You, you I, took a you took uh, a I, jump where you like caught the air, and I was like, oh, he made the takeoff pretty good. Oh shit! No, did not make the takeoff <laughs> the first try. He straight up hit the ground and then jumped again.
3: No, My my post on Facebook was, I wish I could pay somebody to always videotape my takeoff and landings because I can learn more from my failures. And that should probably be true about my coding. If I had somebody standing over me videotaping my coding, would I learn more? Nah, I'll for that'd be fun. So I, I bring my wing up. Everything's fine. I turn, I start to go. I feel it pulling me left. So my instinct is to pull it right a little bit. As soon as I do that, it picked that me up part. off the ground.
2: Yeah, that was the part that got me. Cause you yeah. said in the description, like instinctively, I pulled right and I watched the video and I was like, oh, instinct's wrong. Instinct's wrong. <laughs> no, instinct was right until
3: I turn right and then I come down and I touch the ground. And then as I pick back up, I'm still feeling it pull right, so I'll, I go to put my hand down like I'm saving myself, which is the wrong thing to do. I should have brought my hand back up; I would have been fine. Obviously, I'm fine. I just I went, I took off over some bushes instead of over the clear land.
2: <laughs>
3: but it was saw fun. That,
2: saw the part too. So I no, I didn't realize. So this so,
3: is- so now we're talking about. It, so I need to to post that somewhere. Where should I post that?
2: This is a th- this is on
3: Patreon. Thank you to our patrons over at.
2: Oh my goodness! Look at that.
3: As if we have a new
2: Patreon, Jeffrey's Patreon. D.
1: Nope, Jeffrey D. I have a fun fact with Jeffrey D. Tom, you may appreciate. All right. fire away. You you care to hear? I already shared it with John because I couldn't I couldn't keep it a
2: secret. Father of two of your children. I'm sorry? (laughs) No, I was was throwing guesses out.
1: That would have been very wrong. So, uh, Jeffrey D., if you're in our Discord, you should be able to figure out who Jeffrey D. is fairly easily. Uh, But he, he lives on the east coast of our beautiful country. Oh, by the way, if you're watching the video, I hope our international viewers appreciate the challenge I went through to find a very not american centric patriotic background it's like when you when you, I went to look up backgrounds for July it was all flat u s flags and fireworks so yeah it's, I it's still, expo- still explosives Yeah, I spent a little time to, you know, have something that that the whole... uh, Everybody could enjoy and appreciate. Anyways, Jeffrey D was talking to me in Discord. when we were having a casual conversation back and forth. Discover that he, who is a person I have
3: no prior knowledge of. We weren't friends. We... Reached out to us on Discord because he bought elephants from us. Bought two, elephants from us. Two and separate was orders. Where they were. Two separate yep. orders. Received Transport. one, not the other, and was concerned. Yep.
1: So he makes some offhand remark of how he happened to have gotten a remote job working for a company in San Diego. I'm like, oh, cool. I mean, like, we know a lot of tech companies in San Diego and, like, People using PHP in San Diego, we better know them. Like they better not, not, you know, exist without our knowledge. Anyways, turns out he's
3: working for one of Diego Dev's first clients, and, and and they're not a client anymore. Not because we did anything wrong. Correct us if we're wrong, Jeffrey. But but because you
2: did everything uh, right.
3: So, the, when they hired us. The, the two guys that worked for the client are developers, but they don't do it professionally. So they worked kind of at this company, not as developers, but they recognized that they needed some work. They, so they brought us on, we built the initial application while they built out their internal team of developers. And then they took the project over. So as far as I know, it was a successful, we built the application they wanted, and then they brought it in-house, continued to, to develop it, and lo and behold, we find somebody that's working for them. That's amazing.
1: On that, well, I don't know if they're working on that project, but that project, I it, 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 it still existed enough where they mentioned it by name. Like, holy cow, you guys built mention the name of the project i'm failing uh, to understand
2: yep. why this is specifically related to me
3: because they are a I patron was, of this podcast that you are on bastards never said it was specifically related to you i said a
1: fun fact you may appreciate oh, oh. so the fact that you felt like okay, all of a sudden that gotcha, made gotcha. it about you well, no. probably says
2: more about you no, no, than no, anything yeah. else. no so i so i didn't appreciate the fun fact that's why i thought it must be about me it's an easy mistake to make
1: what an asshole
2: is it really that easy
1: oh yeah
3: (laughs) funny okay
1: so I do have a a serious question Tom Tom is sounding like he's a little sauce. so this this may lead into a complete rant
2: gonna have to use the restroom first and refresh my beer since you called me out so explicitly.
1: You really should
3: see a doctor. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> walnut. I, I think you <laughs> have a medical issue. Professional <laughs> podcaster. Calls himself out. Doesn't just disappear for two seconds. My I mean, goodness. if he was a
1: real professional podcaster, he would have a bottle under his desk like all of us. Exactly. What the hell? All right. Well, now I, now I don't know what to talk about.
3: I well, I know I have a video I have to post on Patreon.com now. Yeah, you do. I don't know why I didn't. Post I guess it. I should have posted it there to begin with.
1: Guess I need to go to Facebook and search your name because you
3: don't show up my stream. That's anymore. because you kept saying "show me less, show me less, show me less." I don't want to hear from this guy. Yeah, yeah, that might be on me. Hey, thank you for that that picture you took. Are you found of my kid from? Many years ago. You can thank Google for that.
1: And he said, hey,
3: you remember happier
1: times? (laughs) It was funny because when I saw it, I I immediately remembered how when I, the couple times where I would walk over, I I had gotten accustomed to just taking my watch off (laughs) and handing it to your kid.
3: (laughs) (laughs) He was so like entranced by that thing. He's like, Watch. <laughs> it's a screen. <laughs> Let me see what's on it. <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Are you are you back, Tom? Eh, yeah. Eh. Alright. So when it was initially launched, there was some hubbub about the fact that the GitHub co-pilot was scraping open source projects to get its AI to make suggestions. Yes. That kind of grumbling has kind of grown into a much more louder, little bit of a roar that copilot has gone to this pay model. where you have to pay for the product and whether or not what they're doing really kind of is in good spirit and complies with the open source licenses of the projects that, it's uh, scraping. Thoughts and opinions on that? Well, no, thank you, Tom.
2: I'm so happy <laughs> no, you I uh, joined us. Didn't didn't freeze up. Here, okay. There's there are multiple thoughts around how this whole thing is good and bad. Um, <clears throat> one of the thoughts right now is. <clears throat> There is an open source group that is removing their code from GitHub and putting it somewhere else like Bitbucket, GitLabs, or or some other non. But that doesn't make what they're producing not open source and not available to copilot. It this is a show of uh uh unappreciation where they're saying, like, we don't like what it is you're doing. But the project is still open source, and we get into the the core concept of free, uh, which open source is free as in knowledge, not free as in beer. And what Copilot is doing is making beer out of knowledge. They're making a okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: interrupt you really quick here in case you lose me. This is not any any slam on you, Tom. My cat in true fashion of his name bug has taken to chewing the wires on the back of my on the back of my desktop so if I drop off i have a bug in my system
2: go ahead this is this is the electrical tape that my cat's have forced me to put on my, my headphones uh so if you're not aware the one of the core tenets of open source is that there are two concepts of freedom, free as in beer and free as in freedom. Uh, Free as in beer means I'm buying you a tangible good that you are consuming and that is costing me. Free as in freedom is you are allowed to do what you want. And free as in freedom means that the code is free, that you can do what you will with it. We want attribution, but fundamentally the code itself is free. Free as in beer means if you have received something of value, then you should provide value back if you're going to earn value off of it. That is not what that means okay. at all. I, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm 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 free. I'm pretty free with the beer right now, so you'll correct me.
1: Let me correct you real fast. <laughs> there's free as in freedom free as in beer that's that's what that's what it means there's the there's free as in i'm a free man i have freedom in open source and there's free as in beer as in there's no monetary cost to it not that if you get something out of it you should pay me back it's it's a it's a it's the concept of freedom and it's the monetary understanding of freedom.
2: Okay, you go ahead and continue. (laughs) For the sake of views, I'll continue. So, no, there there are a lot of interpretations of what open source means. The reality is, if you expect a company to have some kind of moral stance on something, you're wrong. They're not going to have a moral stance. You have to force them into it. Microsoft is making money off of Copilot, and they're not, as far as I can tell, contributing back to the open source projects that are producing the Copilot data. But what can you do? Machine learning is data sets, machine learning is knowledge. Uh, I can guarantee you that the Dolly two images that are being produced to make the next magazine cover for some unknown programming architect magazine, <clears throat> they're not giving money back to the source images or the where they got that information from because <clears throat> that's impossible to do or improbable to do.
1: Right, and I don't, I, I again don't think it's necessarily a money issue that they expect the money is it's the fact that they're not getting the acknowledgement that they're supposed to be getting when you use their code. Yeah. Neither
2: is it when you, when you read their code and understand the new concept that they introduce and implement it in your code. I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking about that. There is, there is software patent law. And if you patent some software, then you somebody else copying it cannot duplicate your code or at some points, even the functionality of the code. But that's neither here nor there. We're not talking about patented code. We're talking about code that is floating around the internet. I mean, how do you... If if I'm painting some new painting, how do I attribute Jackson Pollock to this like idea of the the splash on the page that I introduced. You don't it's Copilot's not producing large blocks of code yet. Right now it's producing assistance to the idea of your implementation of your system. It, it it's, it sucks that people want credit for something where credit isn't due because you're doing this to, to make something. It is, but you're doing this to make something either public or private. And if it's private and they're taking it, then that's a lawsuit. That's a problem. But if it's public, I get that you're complaining, but fuck the guy who, who's writing X debug, which every PHP developer should be using is not making a monthly stipend off of it that can support him. That's a much bigger fucking problem. If you have a problem with, with how the money is being distributed for Copilot, donate to Debug, so that he can make a living off of the tool that we all survive off of. Don't do you, complain. you donate to Derek? We do. PHP Ugly donates to Derek. I know that for a fact. So, gotcha. No, you don't copy as much as you think you do, but okay. No, it's not a lot. I don't... <laughs> but he, Derek's goal is well, like forty five hundred bucks a month, and he's well, making I mean, twenty eight hundred of that, that. That could
1: be said about any open source project. Absolutely. Right? I mean, so if you it, have a problem
2: you know, with how Copilot's using open source code, donate to open source either with money or with code or with time. But don't sit there and bitch about the fact that other developers are learning from what you've well, written in a very, very, very abstract way.
1: So along those same lines, I, 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 really had no idea how deep that tangent was
2: going to go. You literally but started, that, no, you started the segment saying, was, <laughs> I know this is going to be a full on rant. So don't lie.
1: That, that, that was meant to lead into a, another, another conversation. Did you happen to notice? And this has been on my Trello board for a while, so I hope and I'm hoping that it caught your eye. Amazon now they're launching their own version
2: I was, of Copilot. I was told not to look at other people's Trello boards. No, nope, you were to not, told to not, not, to, not to move, not to move, not to steal comments. other people's Trello boards. Yes, Amazon is introducing Code Whisperer. Code Whisperer, which which S- let's be clear is problematic in way more ways than co-pilot <laughs> because a code whisperer was a term for a Navajo code, uh, uh, code speaker during mm-hmm. world war II. So code whisperer is like, that is a, a reserved term for a reserved group of people calling it code whisperer is super fucking, uh, cringe. Yeah, well, I mean, cri- cri- I would cringe in today's kids' vernacular. Insens- insensitive, insensitive, maybe is- calling it code yeah. whisper is super insensitive, and I and Amazon doing something super insensitive is not surprising at all.
1: So honestly, I did not read this article past the line. Um, the company trained the system, which currently supports Java, JavaScript, and Python on billions of lines of publicly available open-source code. So it sounds like I, I stopped reading at that point because it's like the the letters PHP weren't in there anywhere, so I, I didn't care anymore. But it sounds like they're doing the same thing that Microsoft is doing. There's a,
3: there's a P in Whisperer. There's an H in Whisperer. There's a P in pair programming.
2: So Code Whisperer starts off by on, saying... That was funny. Code Whisper starts off by saying we analyze all of your code and try to figure out what it is you're doing, which is very different than Copilot. Copilot says, give us access to what you're trying to do. We'll try to understand it. I think I think Code Whisper is trying to jump that bridge between a paragraph as suggestions to full blocks of code. Um, but it is in honesty, in its current state, it's really just a competitor for Copilot, and it's Amazon, and fuck them. <laughs> so, Microsoft, fuck them. Amazon, fuck them. Eh, yeah, Microsoft's okay right now.
3: So you don't buy anything oh. from Amazon? No Patreon! Have
2: we done our Patreon thing? Shit. I think we
3: have. No products.
2: Just curious. No, I buy everything from Amazon. Except drugs. I buy drugs from the guy who calls himself the Amazon of drugs. I don't know how to go with that. (laughs) A
1: Woods, I wanted to address it. They're they're called the Commanders now. Uh, By the way, uh, A Woods uh, -woods also said something earlier I wanted to get to. Oh, oh, A A Woods, it wasn't a welding torch, it was a. it was a sparkler, thank you very much, uh, in the Patreon, and it wasn't welding towards that. How would that be April-related? <laughs>
2: Come on. Not that... I mean, July? Not that the... July-related. It wouldn't be April-related either, I mean... Only off by three months, it's fine.
3: Eh, whatever. Go ahead,
2: John. <laughs> no, I decided not to call
3: specific people
2: out. So. John... John, Move who on. has John, who has zero tickets on the board this week, doesn't get to interrupt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's is enough. that the
2: new rule? I, I think it should be. Yeah, I kind of that say. is
3: ten times the number of tickets I've ever had. So still zero. Just
2: saying. Okay. Breaking like our normal times. Breaking our normal format. What we didn't do this week was talk about what we did this week.
3: I literally started the conversation off asking Eric how his programming week was.
2: And thank then it diverged much. really fast from there. Are you surprised at all? No, I, this week, aside from today being my 10th anniversary with my wife, thank you very much. I'll take an elephant. Have been watching. Did
3: you buy an elephant on com?
2: No, I won one by being, <laughs> I hear the prices going up. <laughs> I won one by being a, a, a host on this podcast. Oh, really? That's it. Now you paid double. There's all supposed to be a shirt in that package. I have been you, watching. Somebody s- tried
3: to give you a shirt and you refused it.
2: And a hat. And
3: a big okay. elephant. As a matter of fact, I brought your big elephant home with me. This, this is. You could have had this.
1: Could it? How do I?
2: How Keywords. Do I, how do I mute other people?
1: I had I had this for you. I had I, I, I have it in my office now because you wouldn't accept it.
2: Well, put a shirt on it and send it in the mail.
1: No, we've, we have formed a relationship now. I
2: can tell. Yeah. Uh-oh.
1: What are you doing? Why do you think this is <laughs> what?
3: The cat's going to pounce it.
2: Oh, the cat, <laughs> the cat, the cat is the upset. Cat,
1: the cat is about to jump on it. Look.
2: <laughs> Now anyway, we have ahead, Tom. in our discord we have a gaming channel and I don't I don't contribute a whole lot to it but one of my favorite things is speedruns. I love seeing how video game code gets broken and this week I've been watching a lot of speedruns because it's been Summer Games Done Quick they raised 3.2 million dollars for Doctors Without Borders and it's a it's an event that I'm a huge fan of. But one of the show. See, I, 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 John,
1: I'm telling you, that's a good cause. See, when I suggested CTOs without boundaries, you're all like, no, we have HR. I'm just saying
2: doctors do it. Good. (laughs) One of the events at Summer Games Done Quick Was the Triforce percent of Ocarina of Time, and it was English, please. Is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, and anyone who's into programming,
3: what are you talking about?
2: Anyone who's into programming should watch the breakdown of what happened here. They take a off the shelf. I do. They take an off-the-shelf copy of Ocarina of Time for the N64 and use a an arbitrary code execution bug, which is just unbelievable to run four bootloaders it, to run real-time uh, 1.5 megabyte data off of the four controller ports. the The breakdown of this is very much a uh, basic C, or actually not even C; it's uh, assembly code. But I really recommend anyone who's into programming check out the breakdown of how this works because it's one of the most fascinating insights into how a computer processes data. Uh, any kind of computer, a you know, a risk or ARM, or Intel, or even like an N64, how they process data and how you can manipulate that. And it is just a stunning exhibition of some of the greatest programmers in the world creating a whole new ending to Ocarina of Time, the, the Zelda game. I really, really recommend everyone check this out. It is, it is 40 minutes long and you should take time to like rewatch several parts of it because 100% not going to do that as no, as programmers, it's important to us to understand really what's happening at the core of the computer when we're executing code. And this is one of the great, like this is one of the most approachable insights into how an out-of-boundaries uh, error can manipulate code or how remote code execution or how arbitrary code execution actually works. It is a stunning display of, uh, of technical skill and security. It's, I, it's really unbelievable.
3: I have it loaded. I might watch it
2: later.
1: It, I have not loaded it. It will not be watching
2: it. <laughs> it takes it takes a lot of attention because you really have to you have to understand there are like I said there are four bootloaders involved. It's a bootloader that loads a bootloader that loads a bootloader that loads a bootloader just so that the controllers can write to the system memory at one point six megabytes per second. It is an unbelievable show of force, like. I've never seen before. And this is one of the reasons I love speedrunning so much is it takes advantage of the edge cases where you say, Hey, it's not going to be a problem or no one will ever encounter this. Always check your edge cases, always fix the problem you think you'll never encounter.
3: But how do you think to do four, four bootloaders in a row like that? That's the question.
2: It's a team of people who worked together for the purpose of raising $3.5 million for Medicine Sans Frontier with Doctors Without Borders. They just worked on this for a year and a half for this purpose. And when you think of vulnerabilities in software in that framework of teams of people trying to get lots of money, the software you're working on is just as vulnerable and it should absolutely be approached the same way. And when they find it, they keep it a secret for a year and a half while it's under development. This is it. This is a lesson on security and a lesson on programming and a lesson on your approach to edge cases, memory, SQL like it, it tackles everything that as a programmer who wants to be a senior programmer, you should be aware is an issue. I cannot be more excited about this video breaking down. It's an unbelievable feat. It's they, they accomplish in this video, they accomplish things that you should not be able to accomplish. They push the hardware Beyond what the hardware should be able to accomplish. I'm just so plused with how it is. That's all I got for today. Yeah, I think
1: uh, A was put it best in Discord. Wow, well, just realized how late
2: it was. <laughs> and how much time I've been drinking. You no, know, next I'm- week's episode is about sometimes you work with dicks, you just. Gotta push through. It's an HR based episode. <laughs> All
1: right, I think that's going to do it. I mean, I mean, it's it's really on you, John. Do you would you like to carry on? What do you mean? would I like to carry
2: John on? John has I- no. John has zero no. tickets.
1: Well, I wasn't sure if he, he if he had covered everything he wanted to talk about.
3: No, of course I never do, but that's because I don't write tickets on what I want to cover, and I think about things go. all week. And I'm like, oh, that's crap, going to I do it for episode 209. Oh wait, I got that one. Th- of uh, PHP, uh, ugly. I started closing up. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Till next week. Keep it. Keep ugly. it ugly. Keep it ugly
4: one two one two uh coming off the top y'all know how we do listen i'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish i'ma send a sender, shout out to the host name eric yo he's never on some average shit you know eric he stays loud and passionate i'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song yo shout the host name thomas cause he's never wrong and shout to john you know that he's smart and quiet unlike my freestyles which cause a riot i'm about to do it like this cause the people love me shouts out to